It's the day after Thanksgiving, and we're going to be having some quality leftovers on Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and I finished five seasons. I'm going to start my sixth here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. And reminding you, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And it is the day after Thanksgiving. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of what's going to happen in today's show. We are going to be uh, answering the trivia question. And there's when I say there's leftovers, there's uh, parts of the podcast that have ended up on the cutting room floor that I'm including on today's show. A section of the show that went on yesterday with Vanessa Ivy Rose, the granddaughter of Turkey Stearns, didn't quite fit into the show, but I'm putting it in here as the beginning of what my the first version of a new segment we're going to have on the show. And then also I had a nice conversation with Ethan Smith where I was a guest on Lockdown Pirates. And so I'm going to play some of the highlights of my appearance on Lockdown Pirates. Uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the trivia question. Uh, the question was, who was the pitcher who briefly became Jackie Robinson's teammate and became the first African-American pitcher in modern major league history and was his first black teammate on the team. Uh, John Murphy Jr. got it right. It was Dan Bankhead. You didn't, we would never have known that if you saw 42, that he had an African-American teammate at any point, but he did. Dan Bankhead became the first African-American pitcher in the modern major league. So good job, John Murphy Jr. doing that. Also, I want to start a new segment where once a week I talk about some of the great what ifs in baseball history. And I, threw a couple of names around and uh, more people seem to like what if Friday. So this is not going to be a full what if episode. I would be making my Friday episodes pretty much a what if episode from one from this point forward. But some of the things that almost happened, a trade that we almost have a, a team move that almost happened. And I'm going to be talking on today's episode about a what if that I talked about with Vanessa Ivy Rose about what if a scenario that was presented that could have taken place the integration of baseball could have taken place nearly a decade before Jackie Robinson and it was clear that a prominent hall of fame uh, superstar in the major league baseball kind of wanted it to happen and became pretty clear that he didn't understand why integration didn't take place earlier in the scenario where it could have happened and would have changed baseball history um so we're going to be going over that in our first What If Friday with Vanessa Ivy Rose. And then we're going to be doing my segment with Ethan Smith 
talking about the state of the pirates moving forward. Um, I sent you something that I wrote for. Um, uh, what did I? Where the hell did I write that? That was. Uh, I think it was from one of my Fangrass articles back mm-hmm. when I used to do stuff for Hardball Times and Fangrass. But it was. Uh, um, this was some. This was something that was. Um, the Ken Burns documentary mentioned this, and I say that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I love the Ken Burns documentary, but there's some things that are some things that are legend right. that are put in that show as fact. Okay, gotcha. You know, there's there's like um, some things are are talked, and mainly that maybe that was part of the purpose of the show. Maybe the purpose of the show was the folklore and everything, um, but there was something that was reported that. Um, Chester Washington, who was a writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, which was a predominantly black newspaper in the 30s, sent a telegram to uh, Pi Trainer, who was the beloved Hall of Fame uh, manager of the Pirates, a former player, current manager, basically saying, um, these players are available for you to sign. And this is 19, this is before the 1938 season. Josh Gibson, Buck Leonard, yes. Ray Brown, Cool Papa Bell, Ooh. Satchel Page. They're what all available. What a lineup. That would have been, you thought the, uh, what was it, LeBron, Bosch, and Dwayne rising up from the stage with all the steam coming out with something. Right. And now the, the documentary portrayed it that he heard nothing back, kind of implying that Trainer was kind of cold and heartless and, you know, through the, through it in the garbage. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of this is me piecing stuff together. There's no article that says this. There's just several things that happened after that, that seemed to be all, that seemed to have a connective tissue that took mm-hmm. place before the 1938 season, the 1938 season for the pirates was a really magical season. And they lost the pennant in the, like in the last weekend of the season, on a home run by Gabby Hartnett and the Cubs won the pennant and the Pirates just missed. And shortly and their pitching staff was lacking and their catchers were lacking, the Pirates. And after it wasn't long after that that Pi Trainer retired and then became an advocate nearly a decade before Jackie for integration. Mm-hmm. And the connective tissue I had was we lost the pennant by like two games. Remind me why I didn't have Satchel Page, Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, Buck Leonard, Ray Brown. Gee whiz, we needed help a catcher. I wonder if Josh Gibson in his prime, I don't know if they were calculating war at the time, but wins above replacement, add Josh Gibson to the catcher. I believe that one of the reasons why he threw his hands up, retired, and became such an advocate was he said, what the hell are we doing? Right. Right. It seems like a no brainer. But, you know, thinking about how people have been conditioned and still are conditioned mm-hmm. in that way. Right. Of dehumanizing other groups of people, not just yeah. black people, but we see this happening to so many different groups. Right. Yeah. Um, specifically, the Jim Crow segregation, though, was so prevalent that obviously those values were still held long after Jim Crow ended. And so, but the, you know, like you said, he he probably had an epiphany. Like, okay, I can see these people as human and also as really good baseball players. Yeah, we could have you know? we could have taken because and they would have gone in the, against the Yankees who were playing Gehrig 
DiMaggio, Bill Dickey, Lefty Gomez, all these great players. Um, right. And this was on the heels. This was 37. So it was only a year and a half after Jesse Owens. It wasn't right. that long after Joe Lewis. Right. So it wasn't that – it wasn't like I was saying it, you know, uh, like even 20 years before that. I mean, it was like you could see the cracks beginning at that point. Absolutely. Well, look, we'll never know. And there's no – look, it, there's no way we'll ever be able to right this wrong. The only thing we can do is make sure that they – you know, that the, – the whole idea of shadow ball of playing with the invisible baseball. We got to make sure that doesn't happen to these great figures because these figures, the, the, the players from the American and national league do live on. Right. I went to the last, you go to the giants game. They have John McGraw's name up there. Right. Bill Dickey, right. or not Bill Dickey, uh, Bill Terry, right, Mellot, right. Christy Matthews and all of them. We're still celebrating Carl Hubble. Yeah. Absolutely. As we should. And we stand on their shoulders, you know. Yeah. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation if Grandpa didn't do what he did, and many other people, right? Names that we may never know, because again, the danger of the single story is only talking about the names we do know and repeating that over and over and over. But I mean, that's the beauty of the podcast too, is it does introduce you to those names that you've never heard. There's names I knew very little about, or even things that I learned about my own family that. I didn't even realize fully at the time because I was so young when I was hearing a lot of the stories about my granddad or only 16 when we went to Cooperstown and different things like that. My understanding has grown and, and deepened. And so researching for the podcast has just been such a blessing in my life. But according to the fans and listeners, too, they're feeling the same way. I'm talking to educators every day who are like, Vanessa, how did I not know any of this? Like, I teach history for a living. How have I never even heard of the Negro leagues. Have I never well, heard of these players? You know what I mean? Well, then, then what we're, what you're doing and what I'm doing a tiny bit, what you're doing just like an avalanche is to educate. And that's how we move forward. That's you right. know, I've, I've always loved reading about baseball of the past. And so they're still alive in my mind, but to, mm -hmm. to keep them alive is, is, is really the key. Hey, look, it's Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates. I'm Sully from Locked On MLB. And let me tell you something. It's the NFL season. Did you know that? Did you know it was the NFL season there? Well, there's some big news out of Pittsburgh today, so I'm pretty sure I think that, yeah, it's the NFL season. Well, there you go. Well, I hope Terry Bradshaw is okay. Oh. But if you want to score, go to FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. And if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season in late November. FanDuel, it's the official partner of the National Football League. But from an outside view looking in solely, what do you think about the Pirates now? And what do you think they need to do this offseason? The floor is yours. I look at this Pirate team and I think, okay, obviously you don't go on a wild spending spree. You don't, you don't carelessly spend money. But you could intelligently spend money. You could look at, you could pull what I call 
Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario's uh, uh, syndrome, which is make sure you got a major leaguer everywhere. You know, go through, see who's out there. You're not going to get the big superstar. They're not. No one. They're not on the shortlist for Shohei Otani. I don't. I don't want to be the one to, to break that news to Ethan Smith. But if they spend smartly, if they patch holes, if they say we're going to have more major leaguers than not. And if you look and you sort of see who they have in the pitching staff, you know, you aren't going to get a superstar ace, but make sure you have at least a couple of decent starting pitchers and a couple of decent relievers. You know, they aren't that, I don't think they're that far behind Cincinnati. I don't think they're that. And I think that Milwaukee is going to come down. And uh, while I think the, the Cubs are going to improve, now, of course, if the Cubs sign Otani and he's a he's a prime candidate to sign there, um, that's that's fine. But you know, you could cross your fingers and hope that Contreras improves after he has you know a dozen starts or so. That Ortiz may pitch better. That you may see some improvements in their bullpen with another year under their belt. And could Brian Hayes and you know. Um, uh, uh, what's his doodle? Why, why am I blanking on his name? You're your shortstop. O'Neill uh, Cruz. Thank you. <laughs> I lost my, I'm sorry. I lost my brain for a second. You know, Henry Davis wasn't good this year, but he was only 22 or 23. You know, I mean, we, you're, you're hoping that if you have a lot of these players who can now build upon that. And I think it's a sort of acquire one veteran hitter, one veteran pitcher, and one veteran reliever. Do I think that will mean they'll win 112 games? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, maybe I don't. But they're 87 wins might win this division. It's very possible. Yeah. And so, and they're not playing in a vacuum. I do not trust this Cardinals team. I do think this Milwaukee team will come crashing to earth. And so... It, then you look up and you say, can they play better than Chicago and Cincinnati? So it makes it, it, you have to be smart. You have to make the right moves and be smart. Obviously, and, and hope that you can live by the mantra of mediocre is better than bad. So if you had a bad player and you fill it with a mediocre player, you've now made an improvement. And maybe the the chain reaction of events the great uh blueprint for the pirates and hope for their fans is arizona because and arizona had a much harder road to hoe because they're in a division with los angeles they're like when in when they lost 100 some odd games in 2021 the giants won 107 games the dodgers won 106 games and the Padres were playing supermarket sweep at uh, free agency. And if you had told me when the Giants and the Dodgers were facing off as a multiple 100-win team that the next NL West team to make the World Series would be the Diamondbacks, you, you, would, have put a, you would have sent me to an insane asylum. But yeah. that's exactly what happened. And the Pirates don't have that type of hill to climb. And if you look at the acquisitions that the Diamondbacks made, between their hundred and something lost team and winning the pennant last year, their biggest 
their biggest paid player was Madison Bumgarner, who was DFA'd in May or April. I can't remember. It was, it, all I know was before Memorial Day. And they didn't have and – the, and the Goldschmidt trade didn't yield a bounty of superstars. And so – but they filled in holes with veterans. You saw the effect of an Evan Longori on that team. He wasn't a huge free agent acquisition. And that's kind of the blueprint that the Pirates have to have. Mm-hmm. And cross your fingers that Milwaukee, Chicago, and um, St. Louis don't figure things out. So I, I, I do think there's what I, what I liked about the Pirates season this year is it looked like they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, we're not going to win this year, but we're, we're doing stuff. And I think if you play to the division, as long as we have divisions the way we do, I, I, a winning season is not out of line, out of the question for the Pirates this year. And a winning season might be enough to put them in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that that thinking about it that way too is like a lot of times people want to think about how the Pirates compare to everybody in the National League. But with you saying that again, your main four things, and this is even true in other sports like like other divisional sports like football and hockey, your main goal every year should be to win your division first. That's always goal number one. Because that guarantees that you were in the playoffs. Now, to speak on some of the things you did mention, you said one starter. I will go ahead and say that the Pirates probably need at least two for me to even be slightly comfortable because Johan Oviedo may need Tommy John surgery. I didn't know that. Okay. Also, um, Mike Burrows will be on the second half of this show who uh, is recovering from Tommy John surgery, which has been a massive issue in this organization for quite a bit. So you really look at what the pitching is right now and it's Mitch Keller and everybody else. And obviously you have the potential generational talent in Paul Skeens, but is he going to start here right away? Probably not. No, nor should he, nor should he. No, You don't, when you have that type of look at, I'm, I'm a big believer in you play the best 20, what is it now? 26 on the roster. Yes. You have the best 26 in your the best healthy 26 in your organization in the major leagues i don't care about manipulating playoff uh, you know uh what's it called service Third time, time. Yeah. <clears throat> none of that should ever be a factor okay but i also don't believe that if you have someone he's he's a key part of your team and you don't want to todd van poppel him you know I've, those of you who don't remember todd van poppel he was uh considered to be one of the best high school pitching prospects of all time. And he signed a contract with Oakland that ridiculously guaranteed he would be on the major league roster by X number of time. He wasn't ready and he got hammered and it basically destroyed his career. And if they just brought him up normally, um, you know, if he turns, if he turns out to be a David price and shoots through the organization, fine. But you don't want to you don't want to ruin that. At the mm-hmm. same time, you don't want to if he's if he's mowing them down, uh, bring him up. Yeah, you know, and, even and even I, if you're using him out of the pen, bring him up because you want to get him to become a major league pitcher as soon as it's responsibly possible for him to do. Yeah, and I think that that's a reasonable goal to have as well. And I think for the Pirates at this point, so you mentioned 2012, and I wanted to go back to that. You go and look at the comparisons of this team to the comparisons of the 2012 team 
And they're obviously very different. You're talking about an 11-year difference of players. But then I want to connect another dot to something you said, Sully, if everybody was keeping up with everything. I said You mentioned Evan Longoria's impact that he's had on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. What better veteran presence to have on a roster than a guy who is quite literally the person that guided the team that he is currently on in their last playoff appearance eight to nine years ago? And I think that like when you start connecting the dots on a lot of these things, and I've thought about the NL Central and what these teams are going to do, and pitching is going to be the thing across the board. We've already seen it with St. Louis, with Lance Lynn and um, Kyle Gibson. I think Cincinnati is going to do the same thing with the plethora of offense that they have. Mm-hmm. The Pirates need it, and now the Brewers lose Brandon Woodruff. Who knows what, where Corbin Burns is going to be? Is he going to be a Brewer at this point? Dope. I think in fact, we Chuck Freeman of uh, Lockdown Brewers was on the show, and he believes uh, we both think that there's a strong possibility that he could be dealt with Yelich's uh, big contract attached to it, kind of the way that the Red Sox attached uh, David Price in the deal for Mookie Betts. Yeah. And folks, I don't know if you know. By the way. If you're on Locked On MLB, hi, but this is also Locked On Pirates. And if you didn't know, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to the Locked On Sports Today podcast on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And yeah. as far as what you would say, and I you kind of elaborated that 87 wins could win this division next year. Mm-hmm. But what or do make you a wild card spot. Or make yeah, a wild card spot. Very possible too. For the Pirates, though, like let's say offseason wise, they do what you said. They get that one veteran bat, that one veteran or one or two veteran arms and a reliever. Mm-hmm. And they go in the next season with the possibility that Skeens comes up midway through the year. You get Mike Burrows back. You get JT Brubaker back. You get another year of Henry Davis, hopefully a healthy year of O'Neal Cruz. How does this all come together to where you think that this team could be competitive in 2024 from the outside looking in? Because everybody's heard me say this a million times. Like They've heard what I've said needs to happen. I'm just interested on the outside looking in Who do you think are the biggest factors into this Pirates team being a potential playoff team in 2024? Oh, Hayes and Cruz. I mean, and, and, you know, maybe Reynolds and Sawinski, Sawinski, you know, having the big moment. But then, you know, Hayes and Cruz have to take the next step. They need to go from, you know, major leaguers to legitimate all-stars. You know, that the, I mean, this is why you, this is why you develop players like this. And we've seen this in Atlanta. We've seen some of the other teams where the the, the homegrown players uh, emerge at the same time. You know, Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte did that this year with Arizona. And you saw what happened when those players took the, the leap forward. Then suddenly you have, you know, you have a one-two punch. You have those types of players who could, you know, in stretches carry a team. And you saw, like, even in the postseason. You know, uh, Carroll wasn't playing well for a chunk, but Marte picked up the slack. I mean, that's the key. We can talk all you want about veteran this, veteran that. They have to be the complementary pieces, but the main thrust has to be 
you know, like when the when the Pirates started winning in the mid two thousand tens, it was you know it was the homegrown player. It was the McCutcheons leading them to that point. That was the key, you know. So I mean, if Henry Davis, lest we forget that Henry Davis, who you know wasn't good last year, but he was a top draft pick. He needs if he could develop into you know if Cruz and Hayes can turn to superstars and Davis can turn into. A, a, an everyday player quality. I'm not even asking for him to be a superstar, but to have him be uh, an above average player, you know, uh, that, you know, t- then all of a sudden you have, you have those pieces in place. You get rallies going and it could go cover up bad pitching. You know, that to me is so much a larger part of it. They had veterans on the team last year. Santana was a good veteran. McCutcheon's a good veteran. A lot have been there, done that fine. But they didn't get the big season out of Cruz. They didn't get the big season out of Davis. They didn't get the big season out of Hayes. So you can have as many pep talks from your veterans as you can, but you need the young – it needs to be a combination. And you saw what happened. You saw what happened with Zach Gallen when he became an ace. You saw what happened with Marte when he became an all-star. You saw what happened with Carroll when he became, you know, he had this spectacular rookie season. Okay? That's the that's what has to happen with the Pirates. And you have to hope that this was the learning curve. You have to hope that this was them stubbing their toes. Yeah, there are plenty of great players who stumbled out of the gates. Mike Schmidt was terrible his first couple of years with Philadelphia. You know, it took forever for Bernie Williams I remember I was living in New York when people were saying Bernie Williams on all this potential, he stinks. Eventually, you know, the Rubik's Cube clicked and he became, you know, a legitimate all-star. And I think the most underrated player of those Yankee teams, or at least the most underappreciated. And that's what has to happen. You know, you could look up and you say, well, maybe Connor Joe can do this or, you know, uh, uh, you know, Castro can do that or. You know, someone like uh, Andy Rodriguez can get a big hit. That's all fine, but you need the you need those key players, the core players, to turn into the to turn into your MVPs. And by the same token, you're going to need some of that young pitching. There's a lot of young pitching on this team, and some of it stunk up the joint. And so, what you need is for some of those pitchers to turn it around. Contreras has to look up and say, "I got my 12 starts. I stunk." But John Smoltz stunk his first year. Tom Glavin stunk his first year. A lot of pitchers stink their first year. So that's what you have to – that's the key, the turnaround of these young players. Yeah, and if you could say just one last thing as we wrap up here, Sully, to Pirates fans, what would it be about this offseason and going into next season? Uh, You're not in a vacuum. I know I said that before, but that's the most critical thing. You're not in a vacuum. If you are working forward with your young players and the other teams are regressing, that's in your favor. You're trying to get to 87 wins and the other teams are are reducing their win total. Okay? That is working towards your advantage. So don't reverse. Don't rebuild. And take a look at this team and say, hey, there is young talent on this team. And... The Pirates, you're hoping the Pirates right now are where Milwaukee was in, say, 2016-2017 when they were getting some of those players and putting them into place. And they went on, granted, they haven't won a pennant. You know, they got the Game 7 of the NLCS um, in 2018. So this, you know, this run from Milwaukee hasn't had the big 
the big spectacular finish that everyone wanted in Milwaukee. But I have a feeling if I asked Pirate fans if you would be okay with going to the postseason, let's see, the Brewers in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, they just missed us. And make the postseason five out of six years. Make it to the NLCS once. I mean, obviously, what you want to do is you want to, you know, replicate the We Are Family Pirates. But I have a feeling Pirate fans would take five playoff appearances in six years and roll the dice. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you're, the Pirates could be in that spot where Milwaukee was in 2016 or 2017. And so that's what you have to just sort of hope that the other teams regress your way and some of the young stars click. Because, you know, the Yelichs and everyone started clicking and all of a sudden – they're in the postseason, and they're a legit playoff team. And they had a lead in Game 7 of the NLCS in 2018. Before, you know, Puig hit the home run that, you know, bouncy bounced off the center field wall. But, uh, I, you know, there's hope for this team. Yeah. I think there's hope. And so do I. And, Sully, thank you so much for coming on to this show. Hopefully everybody enjoys all of that insight, because I do think that sometimes – Although I'm hosting a show that is just for this team, I do think it's nice to get the outside perspective on this stuff a little bit because I do obviously know that there are some biases to mm -hmm. having your favorite teams no. across sports. No, 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 not at all. So hearing it from an unbiased source, folks, this is Sully Baseball. Sully, tell them where they can find your show because it's pretty much in the same place as you can find mine, just a little bit different spelling at the end. Well, you can find us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now, and on Instagram. I'm your pal Simon Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and I'm going to throw out my trivia question. I'm throwing out to the Lockdown Pirates listeners as well as you, Lockdown MLB listeners who's listening who are listening right now. And the trivia question is, and maybe this will be easy for you as a Pirate fan, but two Pirates are tied. For the team record of games played, what? Don't answer it. I want the, the I want the answers right in the YouTube uh, comment section or on Twitter or whatever it's called now or Instagram, wherever. So, two Pirate Hall of Famers are tied for the most games played as a Pirate in a Pirate uniform. Which two Hall of Famers are tied for most games played? as a Pittsburgh Pirate. That is your trivia question. And it's a harder than you think because there's a bunch of Pirate Hall of Famers who put out some long years with the team. Yeah. And in fact, when I saw it, I did a double take because I was positive another name was going to be on there. And it wasn't, but two were tied. So that's your trivia question. Put it in the comment section of this video or at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. Sully Baseball on Twitter and Instagram at MVP underscore Ethan on the Twitterverse or Lockdown Pirates on the uh, on the Twitterverse or in, wherever you get it. But, hey, uh, thanks for having me on. He's Ethan Smith. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.